Welcome to What Are We Singing? I am your host, Trent Walker. I'm so glad you're joining me again today. I hope you have enjoyed the topics of conversation that we've been talking about. The whole purpose of this podcast is really to engage people into the heart of the Father. And and I mean, there's so many ways we can do this, but I want to go way beyond what we're just simply singing in church and ask the question, like, what are we actually singing? Like, can we know more about this? And so for today's podcast, I have a very special guest on. His name is Kevin Norris. Kevin has been a friend and mentor of mine for the past five years, I would say. Uh, Kevin has been with YWAM Kona for 46 years. And I first met him as my family and I had just come back from the Philippines on missions and established ourselves uh, in Kona to help serve and train the missionaries there. Kevin has been part of the worship community there for a long time, not necessarily in Kona the whole time. He spent a long time in Hong Kong and is originally from New Zealand. Um, Kevin has a book out. I would encourage you to go check it out. It's called Worship's Journey, Signposts to the Presence of God. And coming very soon will be a new book uh, he has that I believe the title is going to be called Worship is Special. So I hope you enjoy this interview I have with my dear friend and mentor, Kevin Norris. Awesome, sir. I'm glad to have you join me today. This is going to be just wild gobs of fun because you are so fun to talk to. And I, I titled this uh, file, I titled it uh, Kevin Norris Part One because I know <laughs> that I know that when you and I get talking, theology tends to really creep up and bubble up in the coolest ways. And I absolutely love it. I respect you probably more than anybody. And and maybe that has such a large degree with how you've poured into my life and you give me time to hash things out with you, which is awesome. I think that's what a good mentor does. So thank you for being that for me. But I wanted to... Uh, I wanted to talk about your book and about your new book. I wanted to talk about some of these thoughts, especially on this podcast, because the reality mm -hmm. is, I I guess it's kind of tongue in cheek that kind of says like, well, what are we singing? It's not like, mm -hmm. a, you know, well, what songs did you sing today? It's like, no, do you really mm -hmm. know what you're singing? Do you know mm -hmm. what it is that you're saying? And do you believe in it? Because I see some big disconnects today in the church in the body of Christ. Um, I have so many questions about that, but your new book is called Worship is Special. Mm -hmm. And I began to read it. And the first thing that jumped off the page for me was when you said, worship is not a lifestyle. <laughs> Please tell us and expound <laughs> on that for us because we are ingrained with that. Even some of the examples you used in the book, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a big one, really. I mean, I I I, I first got into contemporary worship around when I was 18, 
uh, back in the sort of Jesus people kind of charismatic renewal. And um, my background is uh, is really in the, I grew up in the Methodist church singing, you know, the 200-year-old hymns, which were full of content, and uh, but really not the language. It wasn't the musical language that I was used to. And uh, the although it can, it's a bit like reading Shakespeare, you know, you, it's, yeah. uh, you kind of got to learn the language somewhat. But at least the, the hymns of uh, Charles Wesley are a little easier to understand than Shakespeare. Um, but uh, with the new with new songs being created, scripture songs. Uh, when I was uh, when I was in New Zealand, scripture and song was coming to the fore. Uh, and charismatic renewal people were writing songs, and and they were fairly simple. They were being criticised all the time for being for being simple. Well, yeah, and, I mean, uh, things back yeah. then were like one verse. And yeah, yeah, more. like like I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You know, it's like yeah. just a few lines, and that's it. And and yet I still notice it's still on the CCLI top hundred. You know, yeah, which, which you know is pretty good coming from the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'd never heard of lifestyle stuff till really uh, until i came to the u.s i'd never heard it in new zealand uh where i grew up and um and i thought oh, that's funny i couldn't quite my my first uh, i don't i can't even remember the first time but when i first heard it i thought hang on something wrong here this is great i thought yeah i know what you're trying to say I'm, uh, you know there's this we don't want to be hypocrites we don't want to sing you know, on Sunday and then go to work on Monday and we're just like everyone else, you know, cutting corners and doing things like that. So I thought, yeah, yeah, that that's good. Uh, I, I appreciate the, the motive. But the more I looked at it, the more I just could not, um, yeah, I, I couldn't, I really, it just didn't make a lot of sense. And really, the re I think the reason it didn't make sense was I had be begun to dive into my Bible because um, when, when I first learned, about uh, about well, we call it praise and worship in the seventies, and one um, one of the first questions that came up was, uh, well, what's the difference between praise and worship? <laughs> so I um, so I applied myself to that question because I thought, well, yeah, that's really interesting. You know, if we're doing this thing called praise and worship, now the and is a connector there, which means they're two separate things. You know, so I uh, I. <laughs> I had been brought up to believe the Bible, uh, even though the Methodist Church in New Zealand at the time was going very liberal. Uh, I had been taught, you know, that the Bible was where truth comes from, and it made a lot of sense for me. Um, so, uh, so I went to studied uh, study. Well, what what does this thing mean? And uh, I found a copy of Strong's Concordance. You know, it's about like that thick, you know, so you had to be strong yeah. to pick it up, you know. <laughs> but I found that, you know, it was an easy thing, you know, what you could do. You could look up a find what the Greek or Hebrew words were. So I, I sort of, uh, I hadn't had any formal training, but it seemed pretty obvious to me. I just well, I just followed my nose. This, this makes sense. Um, my background is basically uh, math and engineering physics, that kind of thing. So um, that's what I said at university. So I was very logical. Um, so I just sort of followed the logic down the line. Uh, some of my friends had been involved in, in in YWAM Bible schools, and they kind of made sure that I was uh, 
I was reading the context correctly. The context was the big thing, you know, like don't take things out of context, you know. Right. So I, I, uh, I, I went into, and so I, so I did. I looked at praise, and I guess my first revelation was about praise. And then I, I went on to worship. And I, I uh, in the early days of computers, I printed out every verse. Uh, that's why I, I found the first uh, computer. Uh, computer Bibles, and I, I managed to search uh, for the word worship and then print them all out. So I printed 10 pages of every verse in the Bible uh, with the word worship. I thought, well, you know, I don't find out what this thing means. I want to see what the Bible says. So, right. so, I, started, so I started reading from Genesis to Revelation every verse uh, with 10 pages. I still, I've still got those 10 pages. It was, uh, I, I, I kept them as a kind of momentum of my earlier... So I started to get this picture of what worship was, but then when they said it's a lifestyle, it didn't match what I'd read in the Bible. And that's why I went, uh, hang on, something is right. So, the, so I've spent the last last 40 years trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, you begin, you know, <clears throat> you begin your book by saying, like, this is a very complex topic. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I, I mean, I... I'm just launching a new uh, teaching course called Worship with the Word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a little shameless, shameless omission uh, uh, here is that I, I didn't quite know exactly how I wanted to lay it out in an outline. So I went to chat GPT and I was like, help me out <laughs> creating an outline, you know, with yeah. the things that I put in. And one of the first things that came up was, well, what is worship? Like I'm yeah. supposed to teach people what is worship. Mm. And I, I just drew a huge blank because I'm like, well, hang on a second. I can't, mm. I can't just gloss over this. That's like a whole mm. different topic. Mm. It's a whole different like study, a whole like mm-hmm. real like dig into philosophy and, and like history and it's exactly. just not that easy, and and I think it's a little um, childish or just like uh, just patronizing for us to kind of equate that with you know music in the church today. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for it, it all comes down to usage and like that first first early chapters. I you know I, I identified these four uses of the word worship. And um, it's just it's one of the problems of, of language being so fluid and uh, our culture is that you end up developing different ideas through different usage. And so you've got, well, see, when I hear you say worship with the word, I immediately think, oh, you're going to use the word worship as in praise and worship. <laughs> right. Know? The, well, the thinking yeah, that you see. That's so, I mean, that, I, I assume that from your phrase, you see, and then I go, okay, but that makes sense because I know what you're talking about. Right. But if I go to a Baptist church and they say we're going to have 11 a.m. worship, well, I know what they're going to mean there. They're going to mean hymns, prayers, sermon, offering, the whole whole bit, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and then when I hear someone say worship is a lifestyle, I go, oh, you mean that everything everything we do is worship. Which, frankly, is you know, if any, if anyone stopped to think about it, it's quite ridiculous. But anyway, it's um, yeah, like uh, going to the bathroom. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had someone. I had <laughs> I had one of my one of the uh, one of my friends who was leading one of our Bible courses in Wyoming, and, 
And she said, oh, please help me, Kevin. There's someone here preaching that going to the bathroom is worship, you know. And we had a, we had a, we had a student in our school in, in, in Lausanne, Switzerland. He was a Korean guy. And he's very, because he's Korean, very responsible, you know, he's like, he has to do things exactly right. And he heard that everything he did had to be worshipped. So he was straining to to make every do everything in a worship way. Wow. And he was like, and so the girl who was leading the school had, had uh, heard me a few times and she's she's pretty much into this, well, no, worship is kind of something different, something special that we do. And uh, he he just got a total release and he just, oh God, I'm I don't have to do that. Oh <laughs> you know, I can I can just be normal. I can just, yeah. you know, eat my breakfast or sweep the floor and just, you know, do it for the Lord. You know, it doesn't have to be worship. You know, yeah. so I, it was really interesting. It was funny. Well, it's interesting you say that. Like, I mean, I like that phrase. Obviously, it's the title of your book, but like worship is something special mm. you do. You know, like I, I mm. don't, I mean, I would think to myself that there, maybe it's just a difficulty in semantics, but what maybe people ought to say is that there is Christian living and there mm -hmm. is living as a human and hopefully mm -hmm. a good human. Mm -hmm. But then worship is, is something special. And of course, mm -hmm. across, across history, I mean, it has been something very special, treated very mm -hmm. special. Yeah. And I think maybe it is American culture that, maybe has a difficulty with wrapping its head around our freedoms because we see things so different. I mean, like we don't have a state church that right. somewhat governs and says, this is the sacraments and the churches that we, mm. you know, and because we don't have that in America, we have so many freedoms. You can kind of worship any way you want to, mm. and it's all worship. Mm. And so, I kind of feel like, yeah. and correct me if I'm wrong here, especially mm -hmm. that even as I'm listening to you, I think what you're saying is that we shouldn't take the cultural assumption of the word worship as we see it today as relating to contemporary praise and worship music. Right. Right. And we shouldn't appropriate a new language or a new understanding over it just because you know, yeah, we don't the, the, understand it. The aim is the aim is to find well, what's a biblical idea of it? You know, I identified four popular usages of it, of the word. But then you think, well, okay, what's what's a biblical? We're, we're after biblical truth. Yeah. So it's really, um, you know, people say, oh, well, it's just semantics. Well, no, yeah, yeah, semantics is just the study of different usage of words. So. What what we're after is is not a, a word usage. We're after a, a truth. What what does that word? What truth does that word represent? Right. And that's that's what I've been going after. And uh, I f I find that that even though we use these words in different contexts, like well, you know, if I ask someone to lead worship, uh, could you could you lead thirty minutes of worship before the meeting? And everyone knows exactly what you mean by that. Right. But it's not necessarily a a biblical usage of the term. But that's okay because as long as you understand, uh, uh, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to advocate trying to change everyone's language. But right. if we can at least understand the truths that are behind it, 
I think a lot of times too, you know, we have a difficulty of understanding or being aware of our surroundings. So like, you know, if all you do is spend your life and your work, if you work full time in a church or in a ministry and you're only around that people, those kind of people, Christians in church, and you never are outside of the church, you begin to develop a language that only things within the church where when I I remember when I first left the church organization and and my wife and I, you know, we took a pilgrimage and and just began to travel across the country with our family and our RV. And I just, we just said, we want to be the, see the church and be the church. We just really wanted to see the kingdom of God. And we always like, we would always tell our kids like, the scripture, I believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living because we wanted to see how God was moving and where he was, where he was, had his hand of favor on things. Well, as I traveled, I mean, we met hundreds of people. We met people on our YouTube channel. We met people in campgrounds and I saw, I think I was aware more than ever in my life, how completely um uh separate i was from understanding how to communicate with the world in a sense like mm. a missionary you know like a missionary mm. learns a new language in a new land and they have to take right. time to mm. understand a culture well i i don't i can't tell you how many times but it was an everyday thing for me kevin i mean i was i'd be at a campground and we mm. you know gather around other people at the campground they would mm. always ask you what do you do Mm. And I I would say, well, I'm a worship leader. You know, I mean, I'm I'm 44, and for 15 years of my professional life, I mean, I left the church, the larger church organization, vocational church, I should say. I, I have not left the church. I love the church. Let me make that perfectly clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I left the vocational ministry as a church worship pastor. Uh, Again, there's there's that word mm. too, uh, mm. and I I didn't know what to tell people because immediately it would register in my head like, well, I'm a worship leader, and and they would, what's that? <laughs> what is that? These exactly. are people who are completely unchurched mm. and don't know God, and I mean, like, I, I'm I'm getting to a point here, like, you know, to be aware of not being in the world or, you know, being in the world, but not of it, there's a difference between Mm. not being in it at all, you know, Mm. because then you don't need to have, you don't need to communicate with people. But if Mm. I type in worship on Google today, Mm. it's astounding, Kevin. And I I just say, I say worship images. I just say worship image. Mm. You know, every Mm. single image is an image Mm. of a rock concert with hands raised. Occasionally you get that like bokeh, hand mm-hmm. in the background of the lights that's worship that is google's mm-hmm. definition of worship now yeah. if you then change it to another religion then mm-hmm. worship looks a, a lot like prayer um yeah, yeah. and uh and so it's really really an interesting mm-hmm. thing to think about it maybe ask the question like kevin do you think christians have it all wrong right now and mm-hmm. how we're uh communicating to the world what the church does that's an interesting question um 
the problem there is that we've got to get it, we've got to understand it ourselves before we try and figure out how to communicate it to the world. And I mean, that's a, it's not that we're confusing the world, we're confused ourselves, you know, because, you know, the, yeah, I, I kind of feel sorry for someone coming off the street, walking into a church, and the guy says, oh, we can, we're going to start with worship. And the guy says, oh, you know, I don't know what that is, but I'll check out what's, oh, we sing songs, we raise our hands. Oh, that's worship. Yeah. And, then, um, and then the pastor gets up and says, we're going to continue our worship with um, taking up an offering. Oh, taking <laughs> up an offering. Oh, that's worship. Okay. And then the pastor gets up and he says, okay, we're going to continue our worship by preaching the word. And he goes, oh, that's what worship is. Okay. And then he gets to the end. He says, now we're going to go out into the world and we're going to worship God through our work. And I go, I am really confused. Yeah, right. Because basically they've gone through three different versions of of what worship means in in just one church service you know so no wonder we're confused and we get so i you know i'm not that in, i'm not i'm not so much interested in what the world thinks i'm interested in that the church is confused so if we could get our act together understanding what on earth we're doing and uh, which is why i'm why i identify hey these are these usage of the word worship i'm not against calling the 30 minute singing worship i'm not against that I mean, I would prefer calling it praise. We called it praise and worship in the 70s. And I'd, I'd still like some, somehow to do a study on how did the praise get dropped off? That's a good uh, question. That's a really yeah, good and, question. And, yeah. Uh, and, but I run into churches now who talk about, oh, I'm on the praise team. So some people call it praise and some people call it worship. And for, for, a, lot of, for a lot of these people who haven't really thought much about it, they're actually synonyms. They basically are praise and worship are the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, but the different words in the Bible. So, like, come on, what is it? You know. So, I mean, but right, right from the word go, when I when I heard those words, praise and worship, I said, okay, I'm going to jump into the Bible. I'm not going to mess around with, you know, fancy. You know, there were hardly any books on books on it at the time. Uh, I remember the, one of the first books out was Prison to Praise, and it was like. Basically, the message was say praise. If you say praise the Lord, all your problems will go away, which, wow. uh, I, I, which I found was fairly. Uh, but that, that, I know that's a bit of an easy way of saying it, but uh, it's that's pretty much. But so there really wasn't much uh, biblical analysis of what was going on in 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 the Jesus movement, charismatic renewal. There really wasn't many too many people talking about it but there were a few and there there were a few uh, worship seminars throughout the US that that began to talk about it and began to teach it and began to teach it but even then uh yeah yeah but we dropped that word praise and for some reason it just became worship but really the understanding of praise was my first revelation I, I thought what the heck is this thing praise and so I looked it up and looked at the context and thought and my revelation it was just a very very simple revelation praise oh praise is the same in the bible as it is in english and i went that's a fairly logical statement but it hit me as a revelation not just as a logic statement but praise in the bible actually means praise like believe it or not (laughs) but i i still to this day cannot believe even though that was honestly that was over 40 years ago I got that revelation. I still to this day can't figure out why why so many of the songwriters don't even get it because 
they'll have choruses like we praise you we praise you which is the stupidest statement ever you know <laughs> saying yeah, we praise you on that one. <laughs> yeah explain why is that a stupid statement well because you wouldn't say it to, if i wanted to praise you i wouldn't say trent i praise you i mean That's that true. is not yeah. praise okay yeah that is not praise yeah and, and even praise the lord isn't praise see <laughs> that that statement that statement we're talking david that yeah, like like saying praise the Lord is an exhortation. It's an encouragement to do something. It's just simple grammar. I mean, grammar, logic, come on, use your words, work it out. You know, let's not get fluffy about it. That's just the way it is. And 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 yet songwriters do not get it. We still think um praise praise god from whom all blessings flow is an exhortation but everyone says oh no yeah that's that's praise but it's not saying praise the lord just isn't praise and you can say well uh, well for me it is oh for me it's praise you know what i feel i'm praising when i'm saying it <laughs> which which basically says i don't care about the grammar and the words um i'm i, I i'm 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 separating my thinking from my feeling here. Uh, my words are not matching what I'm thinking, yeah. which basically there's a phrase that Francis Schaeffer used. He called that semantic mysticism. Ah, the, that's good. Yeah, where, where your words are not matching what you're trying to convey. Wow. And, and that, uh, <laughs> well, I remember te- I, I was teaching this at one, at one YWAM school and the, and the guy said, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I get that, but God knows what I'm thinking. And I thought, yeah, he does know what you're thinking, um, but you can't live like that. I said, you, you know, if, if you say it doesn't matter what words I use, I said, you try living like that. Try say, try, try explaining that to your girlfriend, wow, that words, the, words that I, the words that I'm using don't matter. They yeah. better match your heart or yeah. you're going to be in big trouble in your relationships. And wow. so I use this relationship analogy a lot to explain the truth of it. And it, it totally makes sense. If yeah. you want to praise someone, you say what they're good at, what's good about them. Yeah. And, wow. and I, I think that's, that's spectacular. I mean, do you, I mean, I, I mean, I have my opinions on this, but I mean, do you feel like it's, the next generation has a hard time with really understanding what it is they're doing. You know, like, like I was going to ask you if you read this book, I just picked it up. I have not read it yet, but I hear that everybody's reading it. The great e-churching by Jim Davis and Michael Graham. Uh, It says the shift is great. This shift is greater than the first and second great awakenings combined, but in the opposite direction, tens of millions of regular church worshipers have decided to stop attending church, leaving Mm. little explanation as to why. Mm. Um, And I, I mean, I think that, you know, I still feel as a, a father, you know, like I'm, I'm watching this too, you know, I'm watching our generation, you know, I'm, I'm watching, uh, my son's peers, his, his, you know, the kids, his age, you know, we're talking, I think, what is that gen alpha now? Uh, mm-hmm. It's not even gen Z anymore. I, I don't know. I don't really subscribe much to the naming of, of generations type of thing, but, but I mean, I am deeply concerned that 
they know why it is what they do. And in fact, for myself in growing in, in my own learning and, and chasing after the Lord, I have deeply had a new revelation of, oh God, I, I actually don't want to embellish your word right now. I want to let your word stand alone and on its own. And I think that's because, you know, when you talk about how it's like worship songwriters are, are, you know, they just use praise or hallelujah or, or any of these words and just throw them out there because they fit with the music. It feels like as much as I love music, man, I am, I am to the T like I talk about music should be excellent and, and paid attention to and creative. I love that. But I feel personally very wrong about, um, bringing a, second best uh, appro- uh, uh, assumption of worship to music by making music the first thing mm-hmm. uh, ma- making well, music the first focus uh, it's like i deeply desire yeah. a revelation of the word of god and i feel like i can't yeah, right. worship god really unless i know him mm-hmm. deeply and i and that's I, why this like, whole I- whole idea this whole idea of lifestyle is confusing people and and so so what's happening is that the kids come off the street, they get saved, they go in and they say, oh, this is worship. And then they get told that everything's worship. So they're obviously confused. And so they say, well, worship is not singing songs. And yet they talk, and yet they say that's the worship time, you know, so they're, right. they're, yeah. they're programmed to be confused and, uh, and they might enjoy the singing but in their brain, they got this thing going around, but it's uh, it's not that. Uh, it, they get told time and time again, worship is more than singing songs. It's everything that we do. And I'm going, no no wonder people are leaving the church with that, with that kind of confusion being fed into them. And, and there's no, uh, they don't have any substance in yeah. the actual worship of the church. And if you talk about people leaving the church, oh. what they're leaving, they're leaving the special worship time that's what they're that's what they're leaving that's what they're leaving yes yeah yeah and I, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me because they're absolutely being confused by the whole thing and no one really knows what they're really trying to do yeah. and they get some good feelings of the singing oh that's nice and they might get some they might actually get some teaching that helps them along the way but um in the end that they're, they're they're a little confused well, and then having to live this life. Oh, I got to make my life worship now. Okay. Speaking of it's just... confusing for a Sunday morning, I want to read the lyrics to a very popular worship song right now. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Um, because again, like I said, my son, he's 18. He leads worship yeah. at his school, uh, in his mm-hmm. youth group. Um, and, and we've, you know, we've, replanted and so for him this has also become like a this is a way that he can feel um valued and a part yeah. of what's going yeah. on even though he fully might not understand it so mm-hmm. I, I do see it as a good thing like like oh, i'm totally, very grateful yeah. for the modern mm-hmm. worship music m- mm-hmm. music movement because i as a father like i'm watching my sons connect to god mm-hmm. in some way I just deeply desire that they not stay there, but that they continue to grow in their faith. What Are We Singing is a listener-supported podcast. It's a ministry of Trent and Shavon. 
where we teach and train the worshiper and the musicianary. We are so thankful for your support, especially as we come into this new year of 2024, where we are launching some really new projects, specifically under the branch called Worship. Within this project is and seminars in our hopes to one day start a school around the worshiper and the musicianary, teaching them we're we have a new single coming out soon called Like Eagles. But we couldn't do it without you. Your support is so crucial, especially in a time as we're building something new. We need all the prayer and all the help we can get. If you would like to know more, you can follow Worship with the Word or go to trentandshavon.com to contribute. Every Thank you all so so here's, here's the lyrics to a popular song. Okay. All my words fall short. I've yeah. got nothing new. My favorite song. How can I express <laughs> all my gratitude? I can sing yeah. these songs as I often do, but every song must end and you never do. Chorus. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, because all that I have is a hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah hallelujah now i'll spare the rest of the the verses i know that you're one of my favorites to talk about this one and and can i just say in the light of uh, of christmas season right now do you Mm. not find it so funny that there's a borrow out of little (laughs) sorry i can't even talk out of little drummer boy from that song did you catch that you know uh, it, it's a oh oh yeah yeah uh, yeah I, I hadn't picked that up but you know you say it yeah i guess that's uh, all that i have yeah yeah um yeah i have nothing else fit for a king pump oh right <laughs> oh oh yes very good very, sorry. good very good i promised i promised my wife i'm like if i'm doing this podcast i'm not going to be critical about current worship music maybe just a little bit <laughs> sorry well yes yeah I, I'm kind of in two minds because you know I don't want to be a heresy hunter, and yet I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to identify error, and 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 so I I go oh well I've got some sympathy for the heresy hunters, but um, and, and yet I don't know maybe maybe it's their attitude I don't know the people who are high minded when they you know yeah I don't like that like yeah. I, again like I said like I'm coming at this like I feel like I'm justified to pick a little bit and make fun of it for one mm. my knowledge and years of leading worship for mm. two I have a son who loves this stuff and I'm grateful to watch them draw closer to the Lord again yeah. so it's, yeah and, and I think that's a, the, the problem with people leaving the churches is that you enjoy it initially and you get the you get the the sort of glow but then as you go on and on and on and on you start to see things yeah yeah and you go and then you start to get cynical about the things that you see that can't change and won't change and people you know you challenge people and the pastors put you down and all this kind of stuff and the next thing you know you're out of there you know we shouldn't be cynical and that's, that's so easy it's being cynical is the cheap seats right 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where you and I say, like, we we want to actually influence change in the positive direction. Like, but I want to help. You become cynical because you look deeper and find emptiness. That's that's the problem. You know, there is truth around, but when they what they're looking, especially with that song you mentioned, you know, I remember when I first heard that line, "It's all that I have." You know, I thought, "That's all you got." (laughs) (laughs) All I have is hallelujah. (laughs) <laughs> That's all you've got. Can't you do any better than that? It's yeah. like, uh, and especially after for years and years, I've I've delved into the meaning of hallelujah, and and men- I mention it in all my schools, and I get all kinds of reactions and stuff. But um, well, I but- mean, I, I like the idea that you you get what he's getting at. At least you would think he's. Oh yeah, yeah. The idea being, so like, the- I'm I've got nothing. I'm down to my very last. And I'm going yeah, to choose yeah. the life of gratitude. Man, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But here's, yeah, yeah, it's it's comical to me because it's like, again, this is a theology that's mixed and pluralized with a lot of other types of philosophies and theologies. Then brought yeah. to the church, and this is the only Bible, this is the only Word of God that this next generation really has and knows. And and so that's where it's like my desire is to be like, (laughs) we need to learn what the word of God says again, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, And see, yeah, I mean, what I found, I I, I found, did you know that there's there's actually three songs out called A Thousand Hallelujahs? Wow. And and there's two songs now called... uh, Endless hallelujah. There's two songs out called Endless Hallelujah. And, and I go, what on earth is going on? <laughs> it's like, what? Well, explain it's hallelujah like, to me then, Kevin. Oh, oh, yeah, that's a good I, I was like, I could honestly, like I said, I could go on and on with you, which is so fun and it's so joyful. But you have to yeah. tell, I have to hear, I have to let our audience hear this yeah. perspective on hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Probably my most uh, the the song I, I use mostly. There's uh, there's a Hillsong song called Hallelujah, and it's eight minutes long. And the first four minutes of the song is you know your regular kind of lyrics of how good God is, and then they spend four minutes doing a little threefold Hallelujah that they sing thirteen times, which means then they've sung they've sung Hallelujah thirty nine times. Uh, for four minutes and I go and then I look at the faces in the video you can you can look it up on YouTube you look at the faces and they're all having like they're all like wonderful 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 they're doing the worship thing that Google yeah but basically hallelujah the word has become a little mantra yeah that they don't understand what they're saying but they just feel it's kind of it's kind of well I must be praising the Lord by saying this um so anyway, to, to break it down, it's just made out of two words. It's it's not actually one word in Hebrew. It's two words, um, which I found was was interesting. Um, halal, which means regular pray, it just means to praise, and then yah for Yahweh. So it means, and it's uh, let's see, it's second person plural imperative, which means wow. it means translated into Texan, 
Y'all. <laughs> y'all should be praising the y'all. Lord. Okay. Who's seen y'all? y'all. Yeah, yeah. So basically it says, come on, y'all need to praise the Lord. Y'all praise the Lord. It's an exhortation to praise the Lord. That's 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 the grammar of the word in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's used in one chapter, Revelation 19, but in this situation, it's used as a uh, as a um, uh, what's it? oh shoot I lost the word um, uh, what injunction no what's no uh, sorry the, uh, a word that, that sorry this uh, hallelujah is a is a word that just adds um, feeling like wow awesome or, or you know and that's the way it's used mostly in Christian circles. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, hallelujah! I got you know something happened, yeah. <laughs> and and so in that case, it's it's used. Oh, shoot, what's the word? It starts with N. It's not an N junk. It's a um, the word the word that means an emotional outburst, but it's not part of the. Um, uh, shoot, I'm sorry, sorry, I lost that word. It's it's not part of the grammar of a of of a sentence. It's a word that just adds. Uh, a little bit like "ow" or "woohoo" or "awesome" or "woohoo." Oh, is, is that what that is? No, 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 no. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know grammar. No, no. no I'll, I'll, I'll get the word. I'll get the word sooner or later. Well, but I Maybe agree. I'll... I mean, I would say that's yeah. kind of the way that I've always yeah. understood it. And so, typically, songs like that don't phase me. Um, and there's something in my spirit that says, oh, yes, to this, which yeah, yeah. So, I, I think that that's where a lot of people are at is there again, they don't know the word of God. This is the closest thing they know yeah. to experiencing the Lord. And we've taught them that experiencing or, or, or we've taught them right. that experiencing the Holy Spirit is conjunctive with your worship time with right. music. And yeah. so, and they don't connect, they don't connect that with the meaning of the words. They don't connect that no. the experience and the words aren't actually connected. Which I absolutely like. I absolutely desire to know and hear the voice of God, hear the Holy yeah. Spirit. Right. And I and that that means you know like even today I was just telling Siobhan, I'm like I'm literally reading this passage. We were le- reading. Uh, I woke up with Psalm 126. Uh, on yeah. just kind of in my heart. And I read it and I'm like, this is going way beyond currently right now, the logos of the word of God. And I'm literally reading Rhema of the word of God right now because it's speaking so closely to where we're at in our life. Right. Powerful. But right. but there is, at least from my understanding, like I desire an intelligent connection to wanting to know the Lord. And I don't necessarily know if that's always um connected I and mean, i would say maybe a lot of the loss of people in the church today or even this next generation has a lot to do with they we've only appropriated worship with something emotional and not something right. intelligent you know yeah. the holy well, it's, spirit it's stops been, that feelings yeah churches tend to you know they tend to be pushing one way or the other to, one's pushed to content and truth and the other pushed to feeling and they they're almost you know they're, they're almost uh described as enemies or uh, opposed yeah. to one another John but what, 4, but, 23 but, those who worship the Lord will worship him in spirit yeah. and in truth yeah but the the 
the revelation really is 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 that it's the words that actually bring the feeling. And I, I, in, in when I'm teaching on worship in our schools, I get I get the students to thank one another and praise one another, and and as they do, the the feeling they use words that they've thought of because it's reality. They have to thank someone for something real. They have to praise someone for their qualities, and so they use words that they understand. And that produces a feeling in both the one who's thinking and the one who's wow. receiving the thanks. Wow. You see, so, so, so the the true the the connection of the thoughts and the words uh, and the feelings, all they it's the words that produces the feeling. Wow! But it's based in truth and reality. That it's not fake. If as long if your words uh correspond to reality so if we're praising the lord and we say god is good if that's a reality to us when we use those words it produces a feeling yeah and so that my my problem is that if we don't understand the truth we're trying to work up a feeling and we usually use that with with the music and that song that hallelujah song that i mentioned is that these guys are having a wonderful feeling time using a word that sounds kind of spiritual but they but they're not it's not actually registering as truth in their mind right. but they're feeling so they're getting a feeling but that's not related to truth yeah and but if they could use the truth it would it would provide a feeling so the feeling and the truth work together the, the truth comes first and it produces a feeling feeling is just a response to the truth well, wow. I mean, emotions emotions are the voice of our heart. So, so if our heart is stirred with truth, feelings come out. Yeah, this is so so good to brew on and think of. You know, mm. I, I heard somebody say one time that the the Hebrew thought, you know, thousands of years ago, was that there was no separation between the brain and the heart, but that the heart was the center of all logic and uh, emotion. Right. Yeah. To hear means to obey to them. Yeah. They yeah. There's no such thing as hear and then think about whether they're going to obey or not. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I, I checked out that word. Uh, hallelujah is used as an interjection. An interjection. Well, and I just got that from Wikipedia. You do, you look up hallelujah on Wikipedia, you get, and you'll, it says worship is used as an interjection. And I go, oh, yeah, that's what the word means. And then I had to look up, well, what's an interjection? You know, if, yeah. if you haven't done any grammar at, you know, at school, you don't know what the heck an interjection is, but it's just a word that adds feeling, but it has, adds nothing to the grammar of the sentence. Wow. Like hallelujah, our God reigns, but hallelujah adds nothing to the truth. Wow. It's That's so provided. good. And this is just yeah. so much to brew on and, and to think about yeah. because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I mean, again, like I'm in this place where I'm deeply like, care, I care deeply about yeah. what we do in our churches yeah. today. And I think because we have mm -hmm. so much of a confusion about what we're doing in the church, right? nobody's mm -hmm. like, people are like, ah, it's not as valuable to me anymore. And right. there's other things that I could spend my time on and it's mm -hmm. almost working against us to then you know beat people over the head and say hebrews says don't forsake the gathering of the brethren right. <laughs> yeah but you didn't make the gathering very fun or connective right. or special you know and uh yeah wow 
Well, okay. Uh, this is, like I said, this, uh, we could go on, which I hope to, I hope to do this again, because this is just really precious to me, Kevin. And I learned so much whenever I'm with you. I asked you mm -hmm. one thing, hopefully you got a chance to think about it because um, I think everybody's got a story. Uh, everybody's got some good worship story that they have to share. And I asked if you would share us a funny story of a worship experience that you've been in. And I didn't even say recently, <laughs> just something to think about and share with our community here. Yeah, yeah it's funny. I don't know. I, I find it for, I go to many sort of social occasions and I've got to say, well, what's the most embarrassing thing or what's the funny thing? And I could never think of an embarrassing thing and I could never think of a funny thing. <laughs> and, and I'm going, oh, Trent, what a funny thing. I, I, I wreck my brain. Everything's serious, but everybody laughs because it is funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but when you ask me to think of a like a funny thing that happened when I, during worship, I, I'm going, eh, I don't know. Um, and and then the only the only funny things I can think of is is, is to do with people. Uh, yeah, I don't know who whether your listeners are you know anti the supernatural or not, but. Um, it's, it's funny things when seeing people touched by the power of the Holy Spirit and some funny things happen. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> There's uh, been some really good things that I've seen. That's for sure. Yeah, and for me, one of the funniest things was when I when I uh, I, I came back I, I came back to my local church in uh, in New Zealand, and we had just had some moves of God. We had a worship leader come who'd, who'd been to Toronto, and so we're. If, if people are against the Toronto blessing, they can switch off right now. But anyway, it hit our it hit our school of worship, and you know, power of God was hitting us, and we were laughing and falling and stuff like that. So I went down to my local church. I started telling them about it, and they said, "Oh, could you come and could you come and pray for us?" I go, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Is the Holy Spirit here? Or I know what's up in Kona, but." So uh, anyway, I, I asked, as as we do in YWAM, we say, is that really you, God, you know, to, to, shall I do this? And I felt the Lord say, yes, do it. And he, he gave me like a five-minute sermon, and the, the five-minute sermon was, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll preach that little sermon. So I said, anyway, so I preached that little sermon and said, okay, anyone want to touch from the, you know, of the power of God? And a couple of guys came forward, and I thought, okay, I'll pray for these guys and see what happens, right? So I had my guitar on, and I was playing. So oh, let's worship the Lord. Let's all stand. Let's worship the Lord for a bit. And so I started, so I started playing away. And I thought, okay, I've got to put my – so I came prepared. I bought a cassette player. You know, some people remember cassettes, you know. So I bought a cassette, and, and okay. so I thought – so what I did is I, I took my guitar off over my head, you know, I put it down, I pressed the play button to play to play some songs while I go around and pray for people, you see. So I press the play button, I turn around, and these two guys in front of me, like, boom, they hit the ground. <laughs> they were on the ground, and I hadn't even prayed for them or anything, you know. And I thought, oh, God, you started, damn, God, that's not fair, God, you started without me. <laughs> And I thought that was kind of funny, but but it, it turns out that still probably one of the most powerful times of ministry I've ever seen is we prayed for it. And, and that room, like pickup sticks, people were falling all over the place, including my pastor, who my senior pastor, who was a PhD and, you know, from Fuller and everything. So, you know, he asked me to pray for him. 
And uh, I thought, oh, my God, is this a test? You know, my senior pastor wants me to pray for him. So I pray for him, and he hits the ground. I go, yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. And then also what was funny was he tried getting up, and he and it's like he was it's like God had his foot on him or something. He, he couldn't get even get up off the ground. And church, church on Sunday morning, he he stands up and he says, oh, I know there's a bit of being a bit of controversy. This Sunday morning in church, right? He gets up and says, I know there's been a lot of controversy about this whole thing of Toronto blessing, but I'm here to tell you this morning it's real because I experienced it on Thursday night. I went. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I thought it was funny that God started without me. That's great. I don't know if anybody would turn it off because of hearing the Toronto blessing. Like it does remind me. I wrote a paper on that. I ought to share it on the network, which would be kind of cool. Yeah. You read yeah. my paper on it, I think, didn't you? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think I did. I mean, I didn't read a paper on it. I I lived it for so many years, so I don't really care. <laughs> I, I know. I know what I know. Yeah. Well, Kevin, this has been so enlightening. I I really appreciate it. You know, um, tell, so when is your when's your book coming out? When when do you? I'm not I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it yet. Um, because I would imagine it would you know it's it's I don't know if I'd call it controversial, but it, but you know I name you know I name names, man. I go through that thing, and I I, I yeah you do. I, I, and I'm not sure that I want necessarily want that as a well, I'm not done thing. reading so I haven't given you my full thoughts on it but I, I do yeah, it's, um, reading so far yeah it I, I'm just not sure I just felt I had I had to I had to gather all the research that I'd done and stick it all in one place yeah. and uh this is and, a big change from it's good but it's a lot different again it's to me it's a lot more pointed than your first book oh uh, a total different audience yeah the first book was you know aimed at the 20 year olds you know who uh who who are interested in in and getting a you know just a biblical basis of what what is worship and um uh no this one this one is just a straight uh i i'm trying to defend against the the what i call these attacks which are which are, are weakening worship will weaken worship yeah. I thought uh, worship is a lifestyle. I, my statement there is that that within that idea is the seeds of of the seeds of worship's destruction. Yeah. So if you follow it, basically what it means is it's a distraction from really what is worship. Yeah. Uh, it and and in essence, it's quite easy. It just turns it from an act. A worship being an act, as it is in the Bible, to an attitude, or a, a way you do things. It's turning it from a verb to an adverb, which uh, is it's just not it's just not on. And really, they should be saying love is a lifestyle, not worship. Worship's not a lifestyle. Love is the love is the lifestyle that they're talking about. So like, basically, if you use the wrong word, you'll end up having the wrong idea. So I, I know what they're trying to get at that you should love. You know, you, you should serve the Lord and love the Lord in all that you do. But but the attitude is love, yeah, yeah. not not worship. 
Well, bless you, sir. Um, we'll catch up again soon. I just, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for you joining me on this and, uh, yeah, it's, it's super fun. We'll, I'll get you back again soon because even in your last statements, I'm like, oh, I could talk about this. I could ask this question and I'm like, I'm going to save this. I'm going to save some of this stuff. For yeah. Well, really, when you talk about lifestyle, that verb versus adverb thing is really the crux of the whole matter. And you could spend yeah. a whole you know, hour chatting about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm. Oh, I miss you, sir. We'll uh we'll catch up again soon, okay? Okay, good. Nice talking Bless to you. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. What an amazing interview that was. Thank you. If you've stuck around this long, I am so grateful that you listened to that whole interview. Like I said earlier, I can talk to Kevin for a long time. He is so full of wisdom. Hey, Next week, I would love for you to tune in again as we interview another friend of mine. As I've traveled all over the world and the nation, really, I get an opportunity to see people in their natural element, you know, people who are worship leaders in their church and making a difference in their local community. And I wanted to take some time to interview a friend of mine who serves in his local church just to get his take on what the modern worship movement looks like and how it's affecting him, what is really beneficial and maybe not so beneficial as he is seeking to bring the kingdom of God into his community. I hope you enjoy it next week. So tune in as we continue to ask the question, what are we singing?